Hey everybody, it's uh, Colton Sambaugh with the Inspire Podcast. Uh, today we're super excited to be bringing you episode three of our Women Transforming Manufacturing series. Um, today we're joined by Jackie Lutz, uh, who is the Global Head of Marketing and Communications and Intelligence for Aftermarket Business and TPMS at Sensata Technologies as well as a member and contributor to various automotive industry organizations, including the AASA, Yang, the Auto Care Association, and Women in Auto Care. Uh, with that many responsibilities, we know it's not easy to find time, Jackie, so we're extremely excited uh, that you're here with us today. Um, also, and Jackie, we'll have you give an introduction in just a quick second. We've got Dana Aerosmith with us, too. How you doing, Dana? I'm doing Great. Thanks, Colton. Absolutely. And uh, so, Jackie, you know, since, since you're going to kind of be the star of the show, before we jump in, would you mind giving us just a little bit about your background, uh, you know, and, and kind of who you are? I started out uh, in the entertainment industry, actually, um, in a couple of sales and marketing roles there. Um, and I moved on to the medical industry, so I have a little bit of experience there. Um, and then I, I actually ended up taking a little bit of a sabbatical and I moved to England and did some marketing for a, um, the finance uh, department for Thomson Reuters there for a little while until I moved back here and found my home in manufacturing and I love it and product marketing. Uh, I really enjoy it. And um, since I've been with Sensata, I've really been able to um, you know, take the knowledge I had more on the marketing communication and brand side and, and I'm really getting introduced to some other sides of marketing and the data side, the intelligence side. So it's been really interesting and a great ride so far. No, that, uh, that's incredible. And, and, you know, with our audience being, you know, predominantly marketers in manufacturing, we know we're a rare breed. So the <laughs> fact that we found someone else who loves this, uh, this interesting little niche of the crazy world we call marketing is, is mm. super exciting. Mm. Uh, Dana, you mind giving us a little bit about your background too before we jump in? Oh, absolutely. Um, I have been in, I'm one of the few people that studied marketing and actually stayed in marketing from, you know, from the, well, I'm not going to give the decade, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it has always been as a, a problem solver and someone that's excited about putting pieces of puzzles together. Um, this has been a great path and in, I've found industrial and manufacturing marketing to be at the top of that. So. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, to loop it back to you, Jackie, you know, every, every hero has an origin story, you know, even marketing and communications heroes. Um, so can you take us back? Like, you know, I, I know you described kind of having a, a, a pretty diverse start of your career and, and some various stops, but what was that moment where, you know, it was kind of like, hey, this, this marketing thing, I, I like it. You know, what, what really sparked that, uh, that, that inspiration for you? Um, you know, I wish, you know, I was always one of those people that wanted a passion, you know, and, and growing up, you just kind of want to know what you want to be when you grow up and then you can just tackle it and, and get moving on it and, and do great things. And that was just never uh, my situation. I, I struggled for a really long time knowing what I wanted to do. And, and honestly, I, I didn't even plan to go to college. I, I, went to my, I went to a small little Baptist school uh, in high school that ended up closing. And I went to a charter school, very small. And when I say small, I mean I graduated with six people. 
Um, And and because of that, I ended up with a full ride scholarship as salutatorian as a perfectly average student. I was a 3.5 GPA. So I'm not like some, you know, super smart, dedicated student or anything, but you know, I was better than four other people in my class, I guess. So um, I got a, a full ride to college and that's what put me in college. And then I never knew what I wanted to do when I was in college. So I went with communications because I knew it was really broad. And I actually took one business class and thought it was quite boring. So I, you know, went the communications route. I did some internships in in public relations and marketing and got hired after the marketing one. And that was kind of why I I ended up in marketing and and, um, tried sales for a while, really liked sales, ended up coming back to marketing. Um, And I think, you know, you like what you get good at, right? You like to, you like to, you know, flex muscles that are strong. So I think as the more I got, I know opportunities in marketing, the more I um, just invested myself in it and the better I got at it, the more I liked it. And, you know, here I am. And and that, uh, I think that's so interesting because that's probably more the norm, right? Like we all like to think that like there's this magical like moment very early on where it's like, yep, that's it. But mm-hmm. let's be honest. I mean, I, I know I can speak for myself. Like that's not how it works. So like, I think what's awesome is we kind of go through kind of the story through this, like the fact that it started through exploration and then ultimately thinking like, no, I, I, I was exploring. I found stuff I was good at and doubled down at that. Like mm-hmm. I, I think that there's a lot of truth in there. Yeah. Jackie, um, you shared with us that you were kind of finding your way in your career. You're learning to grow where you were planted. And one of the things that you mentioned was your time in London. And I, I believe from an earlier conversation that um, you were pursuing an MBA there. Mm-hmm. Um, so can you share with our audience what it was that you took away from your MBA that made you a good leader today? Um, it's a really good question. And, um, I will say that, you know, that, that whole experience happened because again, I was just, you know, I didn't have a target in life. I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I knew I wasn't really happy where I was, but you know, when you're in that situation, it's like, you can't move because you don't really know where to go and you don't want to just start over somewhere else to find that you're not happy there. And then you have this resume of, you know, moving around and, you know, you're just kind of stuck. So I ended up doing it because, you know, I, I, I was hoping it would be like a self exploratory, you know, year. And it didn't end up being that. And, you know, I, you know, you do a year in London and I I did a lot of things. I traveled all around Europe where I was there. I really widened my, you know, horizons as far as possibilities in the world and different cultures and just learning a lot about myself, putting myself out there like that, coming from such a small world in my little class of six, you know, was a big deal for me. Um, And then, you know, we we finished it up in Thailand as well. Um, That was part of the the program to get the Asian perspective and write our thesis. And when I came back, um, I just found myself kind of in the same position. I still didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, But what I did know is that um, I was much more resilient than I ever knew I was, that um, I gained, and I gained a lot of interpersonal skills. I knew I loved working um, you know, in a global atmosphere, something that is, you know, bigger than me and bigger than what the, whatever office I would be sitting in. Um, you know, and I learned what kind of company I want to, I want to work for. And 
when I started interviewing, I started looking for those things. And instead of necessarily what kind of product I was going to be selling or what industry I wanted to be in, that stuff was so important to me before that um, experience. But coming back, it was more about who I worked for and my values. And I wanted to work for somebody who um, had charisma and, you know, who I wanted to work with every single day and who I respected. And that was what I found in the, in the person who interviewed me um, at, well, it was Schrader at the time, which was eventually um, acquired by Sensata. But I took this job because of the person who interviewed me. I just liked him. I wanted to work for him. And I think when you change, I changed that mindset, it really changed the way I look at my entire career. Um, you know, and, and when it came to leadership, kind of the same thing, I guess I don't really care what I'm leading. You know, I, I'm, I love marketing. Am I passionate about it? You know, I don't know, but I love working with people. I love helping to develop people. I love empowering people. I love, you know, taking a vision and, and telling that story and getting people on board and inspiring other people to, see what I see, you know, in the future and wanting to get there and getting people on board to, you know, execute on a new strategy, like that kind of stuff. I could sit here and talk about all day long, because I think that's really my passion. And, and I, I don't think I would have been looking at the world from that point of view, had I not thrown myself into such a, um, you know, crazy experience and, and, you know, not knowing what was going to be on the other side when I got back. And, and I, there's something you, you can't have said that. I think when a lot of people think about like the MBA these days, it's like, oh, what's going to be my return on investment on the educational expense? And this is a great, you know, addition and, and bullet to my resume. But it sounds like where you got a lot of the value there was the experience of it in and of itself, you mm -hmm. know, and that's really what, what guided you. I mean, is that, that seemed right? That's 100% correct. I actually... The only reason I, like, I, I always knew I'd probably go back for my MBA, but I kind of wanted some work experience to be, like, you know, in your MBA, you really want to be able to apply what you're learning in your head by then because you've had some experience and you can be like, oh yeah, you know, and kind of connect the dots. And, um, you know, that, that I wasn't ready to get my MBA at that point, but I kind of justified it in my head because I'm like, I need to do something new and different and just get out of this atmosphere so I can figure out what I want to do, <laughs> what I want to be when I grow up. And yeah, the, you know, the MBA, I still had, I had a very similar experience to when I got my bachelor's. I just, it was interesting classes. I think I learned a little bit, but you know, I don't remember the classes in college a whole lot, but I do remember the internships and the people I met and, you know, trying to figure out how to pay my bills for the first time and, you know, that kind of stuff, working and playing sports and like juggling a schedule. And, you know, that, that, those kind of skills are really important in business when you think about it. And, and, and with, yeah. And with my MBA, I think it was more of those uh, intangible kind of things that you learn that, that really helped give me value to the, to my MBA. Yeah. yeah I well, agree. Well, like to tie that to value and kind of like looking at that, that next stop in the career to keep the story going. Like mm -hmm. you would describe that, like at that point, those experiences kind of changed your values and, and helped you look for where your next destination was. You know, to, to kind of keep that exploratory idea going. And you mentioned that you had met somebody that, that you were like, hey, this, this is the type of organization and individual I want to work for, which now has become your home for, for quite a while in, in Sensata, which multiple roles and positions there. So it almost 
like what uh, what has your experience been like at Sensato? What are some of the things you've done, you know, that uh, that that have represented opportunities that you've realized? I actually took a role that was lower than the role I had prior to my leaving for my MBA. So there takes a little bit of some humbleness there <laughs> to, I, I, um, I was a marketing manager when I left and I came back into a marketing coordinator role. And that was really hard for me to swallow. Uh, you know, just being young in your career, you really want to be taken seriously. And, you know, and all your friends have taken the last couple of years and moved up and I left the country and, you know, pressed pause and came back. And um, there was a little bit of uh, pride that I had to swallow, you know, in, in taking that role. Um, but, you know, my experience with Sensata is that if you have, I really feel like if you, if they see leadership qualities in you, um, and you, you do good work and you, um, you know, work well with people and you, you know, give credit where credit's due and people, you know, you have good fellowship, uh, they, they will create a path for you to develop and grow. And that's, what's really kept me with this company. I see they paint the picture of my future and they don't say it's, you know, it's going to come quickly or easily. They don't guarantee anything. You know, this year is a perfect example of that. Um, you know, things just change, but, you know, I, you know, my, my experience with Sensata is that, you know, it's a, it's a growing industry. Technology's not going anywhere. Um, the automotive aftermarket is pretty recession proof. It's proven that through this year, it's proven that through 2008. Um, and, and I just see, you know, I see, I don't see a lot of risk in staying. I see more risk in leaving. <laughs> and, and as long as there's a future here for me, and as long as my values, you know, keep aligning with Sensatas, you know, as long as I wake up every day and, and love what I do and love the people I'm working with and they continue to inspire me. And I, you know, I don't, I'm happy. So I, you know, I try not to I can't sit here and say I've never thought if the grass is greener on the other side. I can't sit here and say that I've never entertained the idea of, you know, trying something new. But um, I'm glad that it's worked out the way it has. I'm glad I've stuck with Sensata as long as I have. You stayed with them, but you've also applied yourself in a way that's helped you, ri you know, rise up through mm -hmm. a really big company. Um, with using your leadership skills. So I'm really curious, like, what do you, if you could share just like what your leadership philosophy and style is with, with our audience. I think, um, you know, it's, it's been really interesting as we talk about your path and the fact that you started off maybe not quite as certain, but now you're, you know, continue to grow within Sunsada. I think your philosophy probably has a lot to do with that. Yeah, you know, I never really thought of myself as having a philosophy of leadership, but I think, you know, and I, and I have to say too that there's a lot of people that helped me get here. Like I've had mentors and people who believed in me before I ever believed in myself who, who you know, promoted me to positions that, I'm, that I didn't feel like I was ready for, you know, and, and really believed in me. And that meant a lot. And I think that was actually like, you know, a point in my career where I'm like, okay, well, maybe I should be aiming way higher than where I'm aiming. And you know, I have to say that, but I really think, you know, when I think about maybe my leadership philosophy, I, all I can think of is really like the golden rule. Um, I, I try to treat people how I'd want to be treated. Uh, and, and when I think about people in organizations that I've worked in that I enjoy watching succeed 
And then the people that I'm secretly are like, I kind of want you to fail. I kind of want you to learn a lesson, you know, think about the qualities that those two people have and, and what those are. A lot of it comes down to like likability, um, you know, I, and humbleness. It's, 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 there's no good way to talk about your own humbleness. <laughs> it just doesn't, it doesn't fit right. But, you know, I, I really look at it like, um, I ask people for advice all the time, you know, I, in my company. And I think when people are, know that you're listening to them and you value their feedback and you see a little bit of success, I, I feel like they feel invested in that and they want to see you succeed. You want to be that person in a, in a, in a company. And, um, I, I freely admit that I don't know everything, but that I have an incredible team behind me who knows way more about technology <laughs> than I do these days or knows more about social media than I do these days. Um, you know, and, and they're the ones that are really the, you know, putting the, the pencil, the paper and, uh, they make me look good, really. And, and as long as they're happy and they're seeing uh, something in me that makes them want to follow, you know, my vision, then, you know, I look at it like, you know, that that's kind of my goal. And, and I, I look at it like my goal is to make sure they have everything that they need to be successful. If they're, if they're running into roadblocks in, in certain projects, it's, it's my job to knock those down, um, make those phone calls, uh, make sure that, you know, we're, you know, doing everything right legally and things like that and making sure my team isn't being bombarded with all this other stuff and they're not able to do what they're good at. Um, I just try to be that person that's kind of, you know, playing dodgeball for them. And uh, it's worked so far. <laughs> well, it's funny, you know, as I listen to you talk about your, you know, leadership framework, the golden rule, it sounds a lot like servant leadership to me. And, you know, the, that's something that um, I've always been a lifelong student of and am still learning. But, um, you know, so how do you think that servant leadership uh, framework has really helped serve Sensata since you've been there? I think it's served our team really well because it's kind of cyclical. So if you, and, and I always say, you know, you can lead from the bottom. And I, I truly feel that if I make my boss look good, I know her very well. And I know that when she's going to her boss with whatever it is I did, she's giving me credit. I know that she's saying like, this is what Jackie did. And because I know that, I just want to continue to make her look good. And I have people on my team who I know feel the same way about me. They know that they're going to get credit for whatever they did at the end of the day. I'm not going to sit there and bring a project to the table and say, look what I did because I didn't do it. I might've helped direct it, but I didn't actually do the work. You know, so-and-so did the work. They're going to know, they know that they're going to get that credit. So when you work in an atmosphere like that, everyone's just working really hard and they're happy to, because they, they know that they're not doing it, you know, for somebody else's reward. They're, you know, they're, they're doing it and it's helping themselves in return. And I, I think that our team our team is just incredibly efficient and, and they're just not self-serving. They want to see everybody on their team succeed. And, and I think when everyone's got each other's backs, we just work well together. And it's a culture that people want to go to work to every day. Absolutely. And I, I hate to be that guy to shift too much, but you talked a little bit about like technology and, and having a team behind you that really does that. And I'm a, I'm a digital gross marketer by trade. Um, so that really resonated with me, but 
like hearing like the the highly collaborative environment you know i know you've got intelligence in your business title you know and and how does that like how do you take that idea of of market intelligence and start to build a team around that idea and and kind of apply it in practice because i think that's something a lot of manufacturers struggle with is like getting a team around that idea of market intelligence and, and using it to steer sales and marketing. You know, the market intelligence part of my role is kind of new for me. It's actually, uh, you know, I, I, like I mentioned, I've been in communications and brand most of my career. And um, I voiced to my, my manager that, you know, I'm kind of ready to learn something else. And market intelligence was what they handed me. And, um, you know, the saying, uh, you need to suck, you need to be brave enough to suck at something new. <laughs> Absolutely. That's my world right now when it comes to market <laughs> intelligence. Um, I'm learning a lot really, really fast. Uh, and what, it, what it's really been like, and, and I don't have a team behind me yet on, on market intelligence, but I do, I just support a lot of the, I want to say narrative maybe in our industry. And I really keep my eyes out for things that I think are interesting for my company, whether it's specific reports that are out there. Um, data, absolutely, uh, different headlines, maybe our competitors, maybe our customers, you know, whatever's happening, whatever's shifting in the global market, um, I make sure that I put those together for the team to view um, for any kind of strategic uh, projects that they have coming up. And I try to organize them nicely so that they can find them when they need them. And um, yeah, and another piece of that too is, you know, my involvement in the industry. there's some things that people will never put on paper, right? There's some things that people are never going to write and then put out publicly. Um, but one huge benefit, and, and I'm lucky that it's actually written in my job description to be involved in my industry because I love it. Uh, but, you know, I know a lot of people and I have a huge network now. And when I have questions, I can I know where to find the answer. And that's a huge part of it, too. And also, you know, when you're out there in the industry and you're around other companies, you know, if you sit in your in your own company and you're looking like this, you just, you're going to miss a lot. And when you're involved in the industry, you see you're around other companies, you're around your competitors, you're around your customers and you, and you start to hear, you know, people talking, you, you get bits of information that you wouldn't have gotten just, you know, reading the news. So um, even if it's rumors or speculation, it's still things that you want your business to be thinking about and, you know, have in the back of their mind when they're about to make business decisions. So that's really how I've approached market intelligence um so far but to be continued no i I think that there there's something like really really smart about that right because a lot of people think about like data and market intelligence and it's like this this hard science approach which i'm sure is is a a big part of what you're doing but i think there was a, a real golden nugget there where it's like no there's a very real human side of this i need to know who to ask the right question I need to be plugged into the industry, you know, and, and I think that, that that's something that a lot of marketers can can take a lot of a wisdom from, you know, because because, again, it's like people think intelligent. It's hard science, hard science, hard science. Um, you know, I, I think about, you know, and how organizations are always looking for ways to use that. I mean, maybe what I'd ask you then is, is what are like what does that process look like? And I know we'll talk a little bit about networking here in a minute, but, but how do you figure out who to, who to ask or where to go to start finding this information? 
mean, is it just full immersion into the industry or, or what does that look like? Uh, it's, it's tough because it's different with every with everything. But I can tell you when when I don't know when when someone brings something up and I know exactly who to who to talk to. That's that's one thing. But um, when I don't know, again, I have a big network and I'll call up my you know friend that's in marketing at another associate or another company and be like, hey, do you know anyone that would know this question or you know? And, the, and then you know it gets passed off and eventually you find the answer. There's a little bit of resourcefulness there too. But um, and, and, the, and associations are huge help. I think actually that's you know one place that I always end up going. I, I have very close relationships with a lot of these people that actually work in the associations, and part of their jobs is to help their members, which are you know manufacturers in a lot of cases or, or people in our industry. And you know even if there's information that I need that's not out there, I've had I've had I've brought it to the table before, and then they you know they do an initiative to find out what that information is because they find that a lot of people actually are looking for that so it's kind of a combination and and um but it's it's a it works it's it's really worked well for us uh, yeah. and especially in these highly technical industries that a lot of us work mm -hmm. in right? it's like right. millions of people out there doing this type of research you know you you've got to mm -hmm. know the source yeah. um you know okay i don't want to hammer on the data thing too much because I'd, I'd, I'd bore our audience i'm sure but uh, you know, kind of jumping back to, to you a little bit, Jackie, I mean, one of the things we've noticed, and, and I'm kind of the same way, so I'm really interested in, in your response to this one, is, you know, you, you've been at your professional home now for, you know, going on, what, almost nine years, right? And, like, you look at the, the average tenure of people at companies these days, I think it's like three or four, right? Mm -hmm. You know, and, and I think that, that there's something really magical about that. And I think that because it's not so common for people to, to set roots in some place for so long, like what are some of the insights you've had through that experience? How has that made you a better professional and help, you know, fortify some of maybe, you know, the, the additional value set that you took along the way and, and things like that? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I think there's something to be said about sticking with a company and becoming, you know, an expert. It takes years to really become an expert on a product, especially a tech, I guess, especially a technical one, um, because you can learn all the bullet points, you know, on a sell sheet and be an expert. But um, when you know, like why decisions were made and what challenges were overcome along the way to come up with the product that you guys have today, or, or what you know your customers brought to the table and, and how your company took that and made a product out of it. Um, having that background and those stories um, behind it is a, is a great, great um, selling point in a, in a way that you can do better at your job, I think, when you're that ingrained and I, your passion grows. And you, you know, when your passion grows, your skills grow and you, you, you're very invested in the success of your company and I think you work harder for it. And, you know, I know people that have worked for the Schrader brand in our company um, for like 30 years that are still here. And I think there's a reason for that. Um, and, and as long as the, it's not for everybody, right? Since that is absolutely for me, um, I, I, I love it here. It's just not for everybody. Everyone has different values. Everybody wants different things from their, their company. And, you know, just because it, it's working out for me doesn't mean it's going to work out for the next person. And there's nothing wrong with that. I think you really have to 
figure out what you want in a company and, and, you know, have your top three and, and make sure you go find that. And I also want to say that, you know, companies aren't perfect. Uh, I, I, I consider a company a lot like an individual. You do have to have a little bit of grace. They are going to make mistakes. They're going to have growing pains. They're going to make decisions that weren't correct and are going to have to, you know, move backwards and fix those. And you're not always going to agree. But at the end of the day, you know, does the good outweigh the bad? And is the good good enough to keep you there? And if not, you're always allowed to go. Um, you're always allowed to, to leave and find something else. But, you know, if I got fired tomorrow, I would look back on the past years I've had with Sensata and be very grateful for that experience. And, you know, at the end of the day, they owe me a paycheck for the work that they want me to do. And um, anything else on top of that is, is frosting. And I just feel like there's been quite a bit of, bit of frosting at Sensata. And I love frosting. So. Yeah, it's Here I say. usually the best part of the cake. And <laughs> no, no, no. I, I disagree. I like the cake more, but I like people like you because we can usually, I can get more cake and you can get more frosting. Yeah, there you go. We no, would make no. a good dessert <laughs> yeah. partner. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, you know, you're so entrenched in the automotive industry and that's not just, I think, because of your job title. You know, it seems to me like, you understand that getting entrenched does help you understand so much more about the industry than, than not being, you know, a part of it. So what advice would you have for young people, especially young women who are considering perhaps coming into the automotive industry or those young women that aren't really sure why they should consider automotive for a career path? The auto, I mean, as a woman, the automotive aftermarket has been a great uh, experience for me. They, they really are, um, they want a diverse industry. And, you know, yes, I came in and it's probably, you know, 70%, you know, men, but it's, it's a way to stand out too. You know, I mean, it, it doesn't, it doesn't hurt to be in an industry where, where you stand out. Um, and at the end of the day, I've really, I really feel like I've been known for my, um, the value that I bring and the industry has welcomed me with open arms. I don't think they care about your, you know, girl boy or, or, you know, what your background is or any of that kind of stuff. They, they really need people to roll that want to roll up their sleeves. And if that's you, um, the automotive aftermarket will be very good to you. It's, it's a, it's kind of a family and it's why I stay here. It's not because I love cars. I'm still not a car person after, you know, all these years in the industry, I've tried to be a car person. I actually legitimately applied myself to try to become a car person. And I'm just not, I'm here because I love the people. The people have invested in me. The industry has invested in me. And um, I don't think I could leave now if I tried because I, I'm kind of in now, like a lot of people say, once you get into the automotive aftermarket, you never leave. And I can see why, because you kind of get um, invested and it's kind of sticky and, and you, you, you meet all these people that you really like and you want to continue to work with. And you just don't really want to, you know, I don't, I don't feel the need to look at a different industry. And I think that, um, you know, anyone young or, or women should, should definitely consider the automotive aftermarket as an option for them. And it's always, it's continuing to grow even through these, these, you know, trying times, people still need car parts. So it's, it's a great place to be. Yeah. Sometimes they need them more if they're not buying new. Um, Absolutely. 
So we mentioned, you know, several times throughout that, that you're involved in a lot of different organizations within the automotive aftermarket. So this is kind of a two-part question. What value have you gotten from them? And then the second part is, what value do you think you've brought to the industry? So the value that I got from, from, from my involvement is, is kind of a huge, I think a huge reason of why I'm here today, because I have made some very, very close friends in this industry um, who I have been able to lean on on multiple occasions when I'm asked to do something for my company or, um, you know, take a certain initiative and I don't really know where to start. And I can't sit here and say like, I've, I have all the answers. Right. So I just have people that I can call on that are in similar positions and, or, or have already done it. And I can call them and say, Hey, what did you do? And why did you do that? And we're thinking about doing this. Do you think it would work similarly? And I can have these kind of answers and then bring them back to my company. And that helps me look good just being resourceful and I'm bringing that answer to the table, but um, I don't believe I would have climbed like I have if, if it wasn't for um, the network that I created or that I, that I built over the years. Um, that's what I get out of it. And, and as far as the value I bring to the table, I think, I, I mean, obviously I do a lot. I've, you know, I'm very involved. Like I'm, I'm VP of a, a few associations and I, I've, I have a background in it too. And, done quite a bit, but overall, I'm, I feel like I'm kind of a self-proclaimed uh, spokesperson for the automotive aftermarket because I, I just, you know, I just didn't see it coming. It's not something I looked for, you know, when I, when I took this job, I'm like, oh yeah, I really want to be a part of the automotive aftermarket and sell car parts. Like that wasn't really, you know, in my vocabulary at the time, but you know, once I think, you know, I, I try to use my LinkedIn platform for the associations that I'm, you know, a part of, and I really try to um, support them and, and, you know, word of mouth, try to spread the news about, about this industry. And um, that's really where the automotive aftermarket needs. And they're, they're always needing people like to, to young people specifically who don't always think of the automotive aftermarket. A lot of people want to get into technology and like, you know, things like that these days where the automotive aftermarket is a really nice, stable place to be. And, and, um, I, I like to think that I, I bring value that way. Absolutely. And, and this is where I'm going to get a little selfish, you know, is maybe somebody who hasn't explored that as much as you have, and maybe the people in our audience who might be in a position where they're looking to maybe get more involved in, you know, associations. Um, what's some of like the, the actionable advice you'd have? Like, here's how you put yourself out there and, and start, contributing I mean what where have you had success there in, in your career I can say that it was never um something I had on my list of things to do I I was you know I'm like I have a perfect story for this my my first involvement with an association it was the automotive communications council which is um marketers in the automotive aftermarket and um I was encouraged to um get involved from from my boss at the time and I, you know, at the time, if you were a member, you, you had to like choose like, you know, something to be involved in. And I was involved in the event, you know, uh, helping to throw their annual conference. And when I say involved, I was pretty shy and new at the time, kind of had imposter syndrome probably. And I sat there on the phone in multiple conference calls without saying a word. So I didn't add a lot of value, but, um, I, 
one time they needed somebody to like, you know, make an agenda, like design an agenda. And I had a graphic, you know, I used to graphic design on the side and stuff. So I was like, oh, I can do that. I can't get over how grateful they were that I designed this silly little agenda. And they kept bringing it up. And then before I knew it, I was put on the council. I was, you know, usually you sit on the council for two years and then you can, you know, get voted into VVP. I was on it for one year ended up being VP and then president and then acting past president. And that was really how I all of a sudden got involved. And I think it's a great example because all of this association work is really voluntary. You know, I don't get paid extra uh, to do, to do, you know, to get, to be involved in and do this extra work. So they are, I can't say I've ever heard anyone get turned down. I think all you have to do is ask and put yourself out there and say, I would love to get involved um, in this, I, I believe in what you guys are doing and I find it really interesting and I would love to get more involved and I can almost promise you they'll be like, um, okay, you know, what do you want? Like we have, we have this list of things that need to get done. You know, do you want to pick one? Like, you know, I, I think you'll find that it's putting yourself out there. Just ask. Um, that is the best advice that, that I can give. So, so show up, raise your hand and mm -hmm. generous. Hey, yeah. That's a very easy three-step process. I think anybody could find it. So. <laughs> and it's, it's an add value too. Um, you know, even if it's just asking the right questions and making people think, you know, I, I went, um, you know, like I said, like probably the first year without saying a whole lot. I just didn't really know if it was my place. That was very new. Um, to the industry, to, you know, my job, to everything. Um, even when I had questions, I wouldn't have voiced them. So I wish I had looking back because now, now when I'm a part of associations and someone new comes in, I love hearing their perspective if they're brave enough to share it. So I would also say speak up, add value. Man, it just like creates that community that like you said, like even, even very tangibly up top, you're like, hey, I have this network now of people who can help me solve new problems, you know, so mm -hmm. I don't know. There's just something really nice about that, you know, where it's like generosity and, and fostering a sense of community can be so valuable at like an individual level. I mean, that's, that's mm -hmm. really right. So, yeah. So Jackie, I'm curious um, that you gave, gave great advice for people on how to engage in an organization. And that's a lot of, of what this, podcast uh, series is about is inspiring others and trying to unlock that in others. So what advice would you give to the young Jackie uh, starting her career? What, what would you say to her if you could go back? Oh, young Jackie, I just feel like she's, she's so far <laughs> away, you know, like I'm such a different person <laughs> when I started my career. But honestly, um, if I could give advice, it's probably two things. One, um, to, to not wait until you're actually in a leadership position to, to lead. I, I truly believe you can lead from the bottom. And I've seen it myself with people on my team who I've learned from because they, you know, leading is, is way more than having a team behind you or having a direct report or having a manager title. It's, it's, really, um, you know, modeling the way and, you know, what do you want to see your organization be like? What do you want that culture to look like? And then you, you do that. And then if people like what you're doing, they're going to follow you. That's the leadership qualities that people look for when they're, when they're looking for, you know, someone to promote that isn't in a leadership position yet. You don't have that experience. So you, you know, they have to base their decision off of something. So I would, I would say um, to just start leading before you're actually in that position of, you know, management, um, 
take that step. And then I think my second one would be, like I mentioned before, um, just speak up, you know, even in my career, not just, not just in associations, but early in my career, I was really a fly in the wall for, you know, the first handful of years. I, I just would listen in on conference calls. I didn't really feel like it was my place to challenge anything in a meeting or to ask a question or to give an opinion. You know, all those people had been there for 10 years. You know, I was the youngest by like 10 years, you know, it's not really my place to speak up. Um, but you know, now sitting on the other side of that table, I love when new people come in, even if you're just out of college, when people come in and just ask a question that gets people to think, or even if it's a question that we know the answer to, no one, no one looks down on people for trying to understand what you're talking about. Um, and if nothing else, it makes, you know, us think about maybe, maybe if she has that question, um, wonder who else has that question. Yeah. So I, I would say, you know, get rid of the whole imposter syndrome thing. You deserve to be in the seat that you're in and, um, you were put there for a reason and you need to add that value and, and make sure that you're speaking up when, when you have something to say. That's, uh, I think we got a lot of good quotables for some of the some of the promotion of this one in that that last 90 seconds. That was incredible. Um, I know we're kind of getting getting close to time here. Um, you know, but Jackie, maybe we can invite you if you have you know anything else, or maybe even if it's uh, you know something that that you want to plug for one of your associations or anything. I mean, do you have any parting words or or any of that for our audience? I mean, this has been an incredible episode. You know, so, so the answer is no, we get it. But, you know, want to give you one more opportunity to, to kind of get a message out there. Sure. Um, I'm in marketing, so I'm not going to pass this up. And because I know who this audience is, I will mention two organizations. Um, one is Women in Auto Care. So if you are a woman and you are interested in the auto care industry, or if you're in the auto care industry and you're not yet a part of Women in Auto Care, that one, um, and actually I'll mention this other one first, um, Yang, which is the Young Automotive Networking Group, that is for people under 40 in the, in the auto care world. Um, both of those have been a huge uh, change for me. And I will say that I was a total skeptic of both. When I came in, I, I was like, if there's two things that, you know, I'm coming into the automotive industry, if there's two things that I don't want to be labeled as, it's young and it's just a woman. Like I wanted to be known for what I do and what I bring to the table. And I didn't feel like I needed to be a part of a women's organization to, um, you know, do that or, or part, I didn't want to be labeled as young. I wanted to be like really taken seriously. So I didn't really consider Yang, but both organizations have been huge for my development. Um, the, the mentors I have found in both the like-minded individuals I have found in both. Um, you know, I've had, you know, people younger than me mentor me <laughs> in some of these organizations. Um, and, and the, you know, in the women one, um, I, I, I just never knew how inspiring it is to see people who have had similar challenges that I've had that, you know, may not necessarily come from a man, um, but to see how they overcome those and see how they are better for those and um, where they go in their career, it has been a huge game changer for me, something that I didn't think that I, a support that I didn't think I needed. Um, I was missing out on for many years. So I will plug those two organizations and thank you for letting me do that. <laughs> and you'll see them in the show notes too. So yeah. uh, <laughs> uh, now, Dana, you know, I don't know if you've got anything that, uh, that you'd like to close this one out on, but uh, you know, I, I've said it and I'll say it again. This was, this was incredible, Jackie. So thanks so thank much. Thank you.
Thank you. Yeah, no, I, I have nothing after all those quotable um, and all, all quotable things and all the inspiration. I really can't add anything else. It was great. Thank you, Jackie. Okay. Thank you guys so much for having me. I was really looking forward to this and it, it didn't disappoint. I really appreciate it. Thanks so much. And uh, to the audience, we'll, uh, we'll see you soon. And uh, look forward to uh, seeing everybody get a little bit more involved in some organizations who might be listening. So it's fantastic. Have a great one, everybody.